All right, <clears throat> so I, I hope you don't mind. I figure if you're here at a Linton uh, soup event to hear a speaker, you are predisposed to enjoying prayer. I have another one. I didn't want to steal anybody's thunder. It's short, don't worry. But um, in light of our topic tonight, I could not get over on the drive down what a beautiful feeling it is to just take a moment and appreciate this evening, this opportunity to spend time in company with people who are like-minded and like-hearted and people who have a desire to um, share God's love with those in their lives, with those in the community, with those they don't even know. And I am just, I remember that feeling from last year when I came, you guys have a beautiful community and it's a blessing. I'm sure you are a blessing to your community here in the Sheboygan area. And so with tonight's topic, I was informed that I'm speaking to a educated group. So I want to make sure, sometimes I'm not, guys, let's just, sometimes people, like I work with youth, okay, so what you and I might take for granted that of course everybody knows that, uh, actually not everybody does, but I'm assured that you guys probably do. So if there are places where I'm skipping to things or assuming things that you don't feel like you would like a review on, you just raise that hand and I will slow down. But um, most of my presentation is not going to be about filling your head with content that you never came across in your life before. Because while our faith is inexhaustible, and while we can meditate on all that is there, um, I don't necessarily feel like the call tonight is to add to that details that were hidden here or there. Rather, I think what we are being called to is to consider this great body of knowledge that we have, what are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? And how is that great body of knowledge that we have. And even if there are some here who are humble and think, oh no, no, she was misinformed. I do not have a great body of knowledge. I bet you do. Um, but whatever it is that you have already received, and we are going to talk through some content, so don't like get up and leave thinking you're not gonna get your money's worth. But, um, but I, whatever it is that you already know, I think the part that slows us down in discipleship is what are we doing with it, okay? So we have been given this knowledge, we have been given the gift of faith, and what are we gonna do with it? Um, I wanna talk about that tonight, but before we do, I would like us to just take this moment uh, to remember we are in God's presence, and um, to start off with this prayer. You don't have to read along, it's in like two-point font. All right, so just close your eyes or do whatever is comfortable for you to just be aware God is here tonight. He is with us always. And we ask him to be with us and we ask him to speak into our individual heart, the one that he created, the one that he has filled with longing for him as I pray. Lord, you have granted me the gift of faith. I humbly ask you to fill me with your grace that I may be part of your divine work in sharing your light 
and love with others. May I look deep within to find what it is you blessed me with so that I might lovingly hold my light before those you bring across my path and help them draw ever closer to the true source, your beautiful sacred heart, so full of love for each of them. Help us meditate on forming disciples in love. Amen. She's going to do this real quick. You guys already kind of know me. I feel like most of you guys were here last year. This is my crew. So um, these are my six kids. We got Michael over here, Charlotte. These are my toddlers. And um, then we've got the four pack up on top. So we've got 16 year old Catherine, 14 year old John, 12 year old, or, well, actually, she just turned 13, Claire, and just turned 11, Anna, and then Charlotte and Michael. So, um, Greg and I keep ourselves pretty busy trying to raise them, trying to help them remember that the point of having them was so that they would love each other and come to know God's love through family life. So we have a lot of reminding to do on that front. Uh, but it's a beautiful thing. And, um, and it helps us also stay in touch with the reality of families today. Uh, most families don't have probably six kids, but they're busy. So whoever is out there, more than likely, is overcommitted, is totally overwhelmed with stimulus from the outside world. They carry their phones around everywhere they go, and they feel obligated to be responsive even if it means interrupting what's in front of them. I wish I could be above all of that. And at, at the same time, it's a struggle that like, it's like the air we breathe. And so I feel like if we're gonna talk about discipleship, part of what we're gonna need to do is talk about who are we thinking of discipling? Now, there's a, a lot of different people. Families is one group, okay? And it's, it's a variety pack. So when you get that box of chips, you're not getting all Doritos, folks, okay? They're not all the same kind of family, of course. So you're going to have all sorts of different kinds of families. They're all going to have their own issues. Some of them, uh, moms and dads are together, and they're raising their kids, and things aren't so bad. Some of them, they're all together in the house, but it is not great. Some of them, we're never together, but they're making it work. And they're doing a great job of trying to raise great kids. Uh, there's all different kinds. Some families have melded together and formed new families. Um, but a, a common thread I would suggest us to keep in mind is that families are being bombarded. We are not in the same place we were in the 1950s when you could probably um, bank on the fact that a lot of people liked going to church, even if it was just for the socializing, even if it was just because that's where they knew that their friends were going to be, even if it was because it, it formed a community that they wanted to be a part of. 
Okay, so the come to us, we're going to hang out our shingle, and we're going to be a, a parish, and everybody's going to know that we have class on this night, and they're going to just show up and sign up on a regular basis. I don't know what it's like down here in Sheboygan. It's probably better than it is where I come from, but it's challenging. And I don't think that that's entirely unpredicted by our Lord. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. But let's let that be a backdrop, okay? So one of the stories I want to start with is uh, I do work with elementary students. And I think I might have talked to you guys about this in the past. It's called Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. It's in the atrium. It's, it's Maria Montessori and her like biblical scholar friends. Like This is how they did faith formation. We heard about it. We thought it was really cool. Took me 10 years to be convinced of it because I was like, mm, that seems like a lot. But it is amazing. But basically, this is the idea. You make three-dimensional things for kids to experience, to touch, to understand what you're talking about. Um, the same night that I came home and was talking to my husband about a child making a connection with the Good Shepherd work, where I said he knows each one by name, and that's like a main point we're supposed to get across to the kid. And I had been told by the teacher, don't expect much. He's from a really rough background. He's not going to connect with you, probably. His eyes snapped to me, and he said, do you think he knows my name? Yes, he does. So the same night that happens, my daughter, who's in kindergarten, comes home a year older than this boy. And she shows me, like, she's pulling out her folder papers. And she's the class that didn't get atrium. She was a year too old. So I didn't get to give it to my, my own kids. But she pulls out this worksheet where they did a dot to dot and traced over the name Jesus. And I just thought, oh, this is not equivalent. Like she doesn't get the same experience from that worksheet. Now if there's teachers in this room, I am happy she got the worksheet. I'm happy she learned the name Jesus and I'm grateful for that. So. Um, but one of the cool things we did recently, and this was great, was we did the parable of the yeast, the leaven. They call it the leaven. And that's a big word for kids. So. And the scripture that I read, it says yeast, so I just use yeast as well. So anyway, let's go to that. How many people probably off the top of their head, you learned group, could tell me the parable of the yeast? But I can now. It's only one sentence. So if you're somebody who wants an assignment and you feel like you want to come to this talk, you want to write something down, you want to like go home and like learn something and memorize it and be different, then memorize this one sentence. Here we go. It's Matthew 13, 33. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven, okay, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus would often be asked by the people that he loved that loved him, that were following him and tagging along wherever he went in the Holy Land. Jesus, Jesus, tell us, what is the kingdom of God like? What is the kingdom of heaven like? And he would speak in parables. Partly, I thought I was always told because it helped them understand it. But also, any chosen watchers out there? Anybody watching The Chosen? Also, guys, he had to kind of stay under the radar for a bit. Right? He couldn't come out and just say a bunch of stuff. The world wasn't ready for it. So by speaking in parables, he also spoke truths 
in ways that didn't get him in trouble with the Pharisees right off the bat. Okay, there's value in that. Um, so Jesus says to this group that's asking, Jesus, what's the kingdom of heaven like? The kingdom of heaven is like, and you're always supposed to listen for the next word. Any English teachers in here? Okay, is like what? Erase the rest of the sentence. Is like what? The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman takes and mixes with three measures of wheat flour until the whole batch is raised. Easy enough, guys. We could memorize that in two minutes, and we are going to be smarter for it, right? The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman mixed with three measures of wheat flour until the whole batch was raised. Okay, so in the, in the atrium, what do you suppose we're going to do? We're going to mix some stuff up. We're going to do it, and each of us is going to do it. So we got plastic cups and popsicle sticks, and we've got different measuring cups and measuring spoons, and the kids love it. So we're trying to demonstrate how to do it without having a mess everywhere. We do have carpeting. Um, and uh, so they mix the three measures of flour. And then they mix a little bit of yeast. And then we have the hot water in a thermos mug. And we're like, quick, do it before it cools down, OK? Everybody ready? Here we go. Um, and so then they're mixing it, and they're mixing it. We have to do it at the beginning of the class. And then we put it aside, and we come back later. And I've done this before in other years, and it always worked great. And the first time I did it this year, it did not. Nobody's worked. And I was like, why didn't any of them work? It seems like the time had passed. That should have been enough time. Is the yeast bad? Uh, what's going on, right? Now, I bet this room could probably list six reasons why it could have happened, because you're detectives in the kitchen and you know. But this is not requiring a detective. I put them on the windowsill in February. <laughs> I know, I know. So the problem is, the last time we did this, it was like the end of May, and we were on the other side of the hall where the sun beats down into that window, and they did great when they were on the windowsill. Oh, thanks. Oh, no. Do we have a little plug that we can reach? Perfect. Thanks. We got helpers here looking out for us. I didn't see it before, sorry. <laughs> well, I know obvious things as I'm telling you about my cold windowsill. Really selling myself here. So anyway, we put it on um, the windowsill, and the kids all looked at me, and they're like, what's supposed to happen? And I was like, well, it didn't have enough time. We'll do it again next time, guys. And then I, I, I had to figure out how to speak to them about this, but it was pretty obvious. And the words that I came up with that were essential and are essential for us today is that the, you need what? You need the right conditions. It is not going to grow if you do not have the right conditions. You cannot grow the dough when it's cold. And if the kingdom of heaven is like yeast, that a woman mixed with three measures of wheat flour until the whole batch was raised, 
She put it on a cold windowsill. She was defeating the purpose. She did not allow the yeast to do its job. So when we talk about evangelizing our communities, if we talk about making disciples, forming them in love, I got more stories that'll break your heart. I hope I can like get through this without like Kleenex. But anyway, these kids, you guys, they need this, they need this, they need you guys. The world needs your love. So I said to the kids the next time they came back, I said, it didn't work. We didn't use the right conditions. I explained the windows from last May. And I said, this time we're going to put them on the old radiator. We're in the old nun's convent. We're going to put them on the old radiator in the bathroom. They can lay down, and it'll be nice and warm. And it worked great. But as we were talking about it, two of the boys were saying to me, well, so why didn't it work? Because it was cold? And I said, yes. And love is hard to grow when things are cold, right? And they looked at me because they're five. And they're like, what? <laughs> and I said, when you think about how love in your heart grows, what about like a nice warm hug? Like when your mom opens her arms real wide and she gives you a nice warm hug. And the one boy lit up and he knew exactly what I meant. And the other boy said, He said, I don't, my mom doesn't live with me. I found out she's in jail. And I thought this kid was like the sweetest, most spoiled little, like, he just looks all American, whatever. I mean, I would never have known this was going on in his world. His mom's got drug issues, and he probably will never live with his mom. So when we talk about the conditions we need for love to grow, we need to think about what is it that the, the kingdom of heaven is like. If we're trying to build, we are called, each of us by baptism is called to build the kingdom of God on earth, to prepare the people for the kingdom of God in the next world. So if that is true, we need to pay attention. When you open your Bibles and you find the parables that talk about the kingdom, read them and meditate on them. Read them again and again. And think about what is Jesus trying to say? So the kingdom is like what? You guys already know. Yeast. Okay, so what does yeast do, right? So this is, um, everybody's got a purchase right? Okay, so what does yeast do? I bet I've heard this table talking about it. I heard some other tables talking about it could have been expired yeast. It could have been this, it could have been that. So, okay, what does yeast do if it's working right? It raises the dough. What would the kids see when they look at their cups if the dough rose? Now just look at it simply through the eyes of a five-year-old. What are they seeing? It's bigger. It's bigger. So it, what's that? It's filling the cup. Anything else? What else do they see with their eyes? Anything else? They see it grow. Somebody else? Yes, the bubbling. The bubbling, I thought this was very interesting. The kids always see the bubbles. They always see the bubbles. So what's the deal with that? So somebody had this really like fancy answer one time, and they said, wait a minute. Didn't you say the Holy Spirit is like wind at Pentecost? And I was like, oh my gosh, we're getting way off script, but let's hear it, you know? So they're like, well, so is the Holy Spirit air? 
Is the Holy Spirit inside it making it grow? These were second graders, okay, because we repeat. Um, and I was like, that's pretty awesome. I kind of like that. Because if the dough had not reacted, if the yeast had not done its job, there would be no bubbles. Now, if the conditions had not been right, let's say there had not been openness in the community, there had been coldness, there had been a lack of charity among the people in the community. Can the Holy Spirit do its work in those conditions? Not easily, right? God does not force himself. Um, and so what else could have been wrong with the yeast? You had said it could have been expired, right? And isn't there a passage in the gospel about salt that loses its flavor is no good, right? So there's a warning there. Be careful about, you know, if you have totally lost your, your flavor. What else could have happened? Something else can happen when dough doesn't rise quite right. Actually, if you want like a full out study on this, you can Google, why didn't my pizza dough rise? <laughs> and that whole website, actually, I could have just subbed in all the like evangelization language. And I was like, this is like a real deal thing. Um, because you didn't have the proper balance of ingredients, right? So you, you could have used the wrong things. So if you use apparently the wrong flour, the pizza dough doesn't like that. So sometimes we go into forming disciples, we go into evangelizing, and we use the wrong stuff, right? I would like to reference maybe sometimes my dad, who I adore above all dads. Um, but his idea of evangelizing, this is as far as it goes. Will you just tell him? <laughs> I thought, oh, good, I'm glad you're in charge of evangelization. I don't know if it's going to work, Dad. Oh, you just need to tell them. And I well, okay. Okay, so that might not have been the, the flour that that pizza dough would need, right, guys? So sometimes you need the right ingredients. In your spheres of influence, you have to take to prayer when you are thinking of the child of yours that is away from the church, when you're thinking about the grandchild of yours who you hope someday will come back to the church, when you're working with people that you don't know in your community, you need to pray about and ask the Holy Spirit to be part of that discernment. What are the right ingredients to help this dough rise? Okay, what kind of things do I need to bring to this situation? Maybe you bring, just tell them what it is. Because some people just want to be told what it is. Some people don't. So maybe with others, you have to learn how to read a situation. Okay? Sometimes people don't want to talk about God if their lives are falling apart. Right? If they've got money troubles or if they've got kids to watch and they don't have time to go to church, much less adoration, then maybe you volunteer to watch their kids. That's a big ask, especially if that's not your deal. But maybe you can find somebody who would enjoy that, okay? But that's real. That's real. If you connect the dots with the right ingredients, you have now made progress with this person who can now open up, who can now, now we can let the yeast work here, okay? So you have to figure out what is it, what are the, what are the ingredients that that needs? Okay, 
are we ever going to get past this yeast? <laughs> right. Okay, so what does it do? You guys were so smart, we kind of already went over this. But the yeast helps it to grow, and I thought this was cool. It transforms the materials, right? Does it, any people really know what yeast does? Come on. What is it? Did anybody go on a limb? Doesn't it like consume sugar? And what does it produce? Alcohol. Yeah, alcohol and carbon dioxide. I was a science major once. And I was like, don't forget the things you want to say. So it transforms the materials. I think that that's a direct, like, that's a really cool way of looking at evangelization and discipleship. If you allow the Holy Spirit to first work on us, let him first work on us. Transform my materials, Lord. Take what I've got that you gave me and then what I did with it and maybe help me polish it up. Maybe help me remember something I have forgotten. First, transform yourself. Ask the, the Lord to do it. Ask the Holy Spirit to do it because we don't even see it. My husband likes to remind me that sometimes I don't see what I need. I think that's helpful because we don't. So when you take that to prayer, the Holy Spirit knows what we need to be transformed in. Ask him. Ask him. And then when you go and you work with others, when they start to sense a transformation in their own lives, they're going to be hooked. They're going to want more. They're going to want more of God in their lives because they can tell that something has changed in them. Okay? So I think that that's pretty awesome, that the kingdom of heaven is something that transforms us, and then it helps transform others. And in that transformation, the byproduct is what helps it grow, right? The carbon dioxide bubbles are what make it puffy. So it needs the right balance of ingredients. It needs the proper mixing and kneading. And I kind of liked this picture because um, the other ones looked really like, like too staged and too perfect. But this one, I kind of felt like that guy's legitimately kneading the dough. <laughs> he looks like he knows what he's doing. And I feel like when we approach this, we're not going to be experts, but we shouldn't go at it like it's a cookie cutter operation. Like we shouldn't go at it where it's going to be a beautiful show. People are not projects so that we can feel better. Sometimes real life isn't as um, photogenic, but it's real, and that's better. And so I think when you have the proper mixing and the kneading, uh, one of the kids' stuff did not turn out, and he was super sad. And I looked at it, I could see the stripe of yeast right down that cup. He did not mix it up. He stirred and stirred, but it was like flour everywhere. And then he put it down, and no, it did not grow. So sometimes we have to also, um, when you guys, have you guys heard of things like when you are discipling people, accompaniment is important? Have you guys heard that yet? Yeah. Okay, so accompaniment is like you're, you're not like, hey, here's Jesus, have a great day, and then I'm going to go over here and I'm going to say, hey, here's Jesus, have a great day. That's not how it works. Like real life is like, hey. This was not easy in my life. But I believe that the Lord is with me. 
And it gives me hope and it gives me strength to pray about that and to believe that God is with me. And I can tell that you're going through something right now. And if you want, I'll pray for you. You know, And then you check in with them later on. Following up with people is huge. Because guess what doesn't follow up with them? All the stuff on their phones. That is constant one-way information. And how many people are contacting them personally and saying, hey, how did that go? Are you doing OK? Want to talk about it? That would go a long way. So when you, when, you take, when you take the ingredients and you mix them, and you take that personal touch, and you kind of like knead the ingredients, that's all part of it. You can't just sprinkle all the things in there and be like, it's going to work. We're going to have the kingdom of God, and everybody's going to love Jesus. It doesn't work. Um, and the other thing is, is it needs time. So time is something where, um, Mm. Anybody want to take a guess? Like, how long does it take somebody when, when they feel like they're starting down, tiptoeing down the path of belief? Years. Years. Yeah, years. Well, sometimes a lifetime, right? This is not going to be done in five minutes, kids. We're not going to raise the dough in five minutes. And we're not going to... Sometimes God grants the grace of instant conversion. And that is a beautiful thing. But often, there is accompaniment, and there is time that is needed, and there is support that is needed. And you guys, in this room, this is why I thought this was so cool on my way down here. Because I believe you guys. I believe you guys are the kinds of people who can do these things. You decide to go out and do this, you're changing people's lives. There's so much goodwill in this room. I like want to like bottle you up and take you and show you off to all the other places in Wisconsin. There's a lot of good stuff, and you've got good formation, it sounds like. I've heard what they're doing with you guys down here. And I kind of like to be part of it. Like, way to go. Um, so, and we've talked so much already about the right conditions. All right, so I really feel like the key to forming loving disciples is in the how. Okay, you guys, I feel like, okay, so the what. Christ reveals man to himself. If you guys were here last year, I did use this slide because it's that good. I'm so glad you do. She remembers it, she said. Um, and if you're the kind of person who feels really excited to learn something and to write it down and to like take it to prayer and meditate on it, this is a great line. Okay, so let's just sit here for a second and understand, as somebody who's participating, we're stepping into this work of God. Christ is calling each of us, remember how I said last year, nobody's off the hook? If you are breathing air, you are not off the hook, okay? God has work for us to do. It doesn't look all the same, but he wants us. What is the work? To love. That is the work. The work is to love and to put that love into the world. So we learn who we are when we learn about the love of Christ. I didn't put this in the, in the presentation, but this is worth uh, pondering. Um, I saw somewhere uh, there was a set of Catholic authors that was talking about the love of spouses and contrasting that it is not benevolence. Married love is not all about benevolence. It is about 
Christ's love. Well, what's the difference, they said. So they, they called it Christian charity. What's the difference between Christian charity and benevolence? Benevolence is wishing the good for somebody. And that is wonderful. That is not the call of Christians. Christians are called to the imitation of Jesus. They are called to conform themselves each day more and more to the one that got on the cross. Mm -hmm. So when we read this passage, we have to understand we live in a world where not everybody gets up and is loved every day. I'm guessing you guys are, because you're kind of giving me the vibe that you are. <laughs> but there's a lot of people who are not, and they need a community like you. Your interaction at the store can make a difference. Your interaction with a neighbor that kind of calls you too often. Maybe there's a reason. Get down to the bottom of it. Pray about it. So in this uh, document of Christ the Redeemer, paragraph 10 says the human dimension of the mystery of redemption. Man cannot live without love. He remains a being incomprehensible to himself. So if you want to think about people who are screwed up in the world, why? Were they ever truly loved? Did people sacrifice for them? Were they neglected? Were they abused? Were they left behind? Were they loved like God intended them to be loved? Did they even know that they were worth it and that that was supposed to be happening? They don't even know who they're supposed to be. They remain a being incomprehensible to themselves. His life is senseless. That's why people do reckless things. What else? What's the point? I didn't know there was a purpose. I just thought I was doing whatever I wanted to do. If love is not revealed to him, if he does not encounter love, if he does not experience it, and this is important, if he doesn't make it his own, because I bet there's a whole bunch of people we know who were well-loved, and still got kind of screwed up along the way. They don't have to remain that way. But something happened and like we lost them somehow. And we loved them the best we could. But if they didn't make it their own yet, there's time for that. There's time for them to make love and make it make sense in their world that they were made for passing that on to be a gift to others. If we don't see ourselves as gifts, we have not yet understood the way we were made. If he does not participate intimately in it. So if he is not, yeah, I mean if people do not see themselves as loved from the start, worthy of sacrifice, and made to then transform themselves to a gift of love for another, if they haven't connected all those dots yet, then that's where you start to pray. And you pray that somebody's going to come into that world. It can't always be us. If it's too close to home, sometimes it can't be us. 
then you pray for somebody to get across their path who has a heart for God's love. And you pray that they find that person and help show it to them from the outside. This, as has already been said, is why Christ, the Redeemer, fully reveals man to himself. Who is Jesus? With everything he is, he is love. Who is the human person? Who are we? With everything we should be, we should be transforming ourselves into gifts of love. Not cute ones with little bows and everything because I'm not a gift giver, right? No. Like tokens of God's love that this person needs. Like a, like a meal to somebody who is hungry. That's the kind of gift we need to be. Not cutesy little boxes with bows. We need to be the kind of gift that the world doesn't even know they can't live without. That's a serious calling. I feel like we're going to be exhausted by the time we leave. This is a lot of work. It, it is and it's not, right? It's not like I asked you to do calculus, guys, right? I just asked you to love some people, all right? So we can find ways. The coolest part about this is that at this parish, I am so jealous. I heard you guys are doing called and gifted. Are you in charge of that? Who's in charge of that? Somebody is. Are you? I'm so jealous. Can we hire you to come to Manitowoc? Like, you guys, I've been waiting for this for years. You guys have to tell everybody you know. I don't know what your limit is. What's your limit? Is it like a limited number? Oh my gosh, I'm gonna tell Manitowoc to come, okay? That's how good this is. You guys, this is important. Loving people is not hard if you do it the way God gave you the ability to do it, okay? That's why you go to this. You go to this because you discover what has, God, what has God given you, what has he blessed you with that is going to make the difference in somebody's life. When I am asked, I just told somebody, I switched a little bit of my hours and I took on this other job so that I could be sort of flexible with my parents who need to go to medical appointments and not be babysitting my toddler all the time. And um, in doing so, I'm less of a thinker and doer and people connector and more of an admin. And you guys, don't turn me in, but it's painful. I'm not really good at it, okay? Like, it's a struggle. So when I get up in the morning, I'm stressed because I got to make sure I remember to tell everybody there's another Zoom meeting and everything. And you guys, I'm not naturally gifted in that area. That's not how God has called and gifted me. And then it's stressful. And like, I don't want to like Monday morning anything, you know? When I um, am asked to show up and be the adult so that the high school students can do some service project. I'm like, oh dang, I'd rather sleep in, but okay, I will go because I'm gonna have a chance to talk to all the high schoolers. I'm gonna try to like find out what's going on in their lives. I'm gonna try to like pep them up. That's what I love to do. That doesn't feel like work to me. That bit of love doesn't even feel like it's lifting anything. It's so easy. So what you guys are gonna learn when you go to that program is you sit and you think about in a, in a way that will surprise you. Everybody I have talked to who has done this program called and Gifted has been surprised. They didn't even know they had a charism for something. They knew that they were good at this and this and this. Oh, I, got, I can't go over this. Sorry. Um, they knew they were good at certain things, but those things were not options. Those weren't charisms, so to speak. 
So when you attend this, they look at things differently. You're going to find out differently how God made you. And if you are breathing air, you are not off the hook. Okay? There is love to be given in this world. There is stuff to be done to grow the kingdom of God. And so I would sign up for that. If you just want to pass that paper right around, they all said that they want to come. Um, okay. So what kind of love did Jesus call us to? Okay, this is the part where, like, in my mind when I was setting out to do this talk, I thought we would do a scripture study because I thought, like, ooh, we should talk about all these things. And then I thought, I feel like you guys attend Sunday Mass. You've heard the Gospels. You know what God has asked us to do. You've seen the radical love of Christ. So go ahead and tell me about it. You guys know all the answers. How, what does God, what does he do? How does he love? What does he want from us? <laughs> All right, so what are some what are some ways that God has to what's in the gospel? Feed the hungry, very good. Clothe the naked. Clothe the naked. We're on some corporal works of mercy here. Excellent. Anything else? What else does he say? Healing. Healing. Yes. Healing. How many people know somebody that like the relationship between two friends? two spouses, two siblings, a parent and a child, is so fraught with tension because of pride. That means healing. And healing is actually sometimes a charism somebody will have. If you go to this called and gifted, you might find out that's maybe a, a charism you have. If you, if you do, there's work to be done, just saying. Okay, what else? How else does, how, what else does Jesus do when he loves? What does he ask us to do? Forgive. Forgive, yes. And how often does he say to forgive? 70 times 7, right? Yeah, yeah. See, we didn't need to pull out the scriptures, although it's always good to pull out the scriptures. It is always good. But in my experience of doing church work, I will say this. There's a whole lot of people who can rattle off all the stuff. And then they leave this room, and then they'll report back for duty for their next bowl of soup. And what? No, we've got to go and change the world, right? That's the part where I feel like that was the, the thing that got put on my heart, is that this group is ready. They just need a little bit of get them, get them going, okay? So what else? How else does Jesus love? How about in the back corner over there? Something that Jesus does to love. Anybody? Yeah? Just help others. Yes, help others, right? How about the Good Samaritan? I went over this with the fourth graders. I explained sort of like a Packers and Vikings relationship. It wasn't good. More serious than that. But this Vikings fan fell ill or whatever. I guess it was a Packers fan. And a Viking helped him out, guys. God is teaching us that there is no boundary to helping others. We are not supposed to just help our own. We are supposed to help everybody, right? Okay, what else does he call us to in love? Gave his very life for us. Absolutely. Sacrifice. Love is sacrifice. I think I told you guys this story last year. It doesn't hurt. Repetition is the mother of learning, right? So um, this thing happened when I was in college where, like, the female campus minister told, like, forwarded an email about this Croatian wedding custom where the couple brings the crucifix with them. I saw that right after you did Right? I loved it. Absolutely. And we have that 
crucifix and it's hanging in our house. Why? We held it during our vows. Why? Because it's not all about the flowers and the candles. When you get home from the wedding, this is actually maybe more of what it's going to be like, right? <laughs> because I would like us to take a road trip to look at colleges and like circle back and be 15 hours driving each way. And my husband is adamantly, no way. And I feel like, yeah, this is stupid. It's not crucifixion, but it's a small way of sacrificing the way I want things done for the good of the whole. We have to become people who can reconcile between two other ways. We can't just be selfish all the time. We can't just have it our way all the time. Love is going to require sacrifice. He wants us to sacrifice for others. If I am going to set an example for my kids and take them you know, to go do charitable works, I'm going to have to sacrifice an easygoing day with them because they fight me on it sometimes, even though they should be angels. They're not. Um, and so sometimes I have to sacrifice the easy way, and I have to take the hard way because it's the right thing to do. Okay? Sometimes we have to sacrifice and do the right things. Okay, what else? How else does Jesus call us to love? Embrace the, em embrace the sick. Yeah. And hug the dying. Yes. You have to bring them in. Yes. And, and there's different forms of death. Yeah, yes. Be available. Oh, I think she needs the microphone next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this is true. She said you have to hug the sick, you have to bring in the dying, and there's different forms of dying. When you said sick, my mind right away went to mental health. And that is hard. It is hard sometimes, depending on the situation, we don't know what to do. We're not sure where the boundaries should be. And so sometimes there's so much anxiety. You guys don't even know. Like these poor people that are not out in nature and are all on their phones, just keep praying for them. Just, I feel like my kids are having such a hard time. All their friends have such a hard time. They're so anxious. Um, anyway, when we bring in the people who are hurting, when we bring them close to us, um, sometimes I'm really busy. And I have to like work because we don't have enough money to pay the bills. And all I want to do is like snuggle my toddlers sometimes. And at the same time, I got to get this e news out. Okay? And so sometimes I feel like I'm putting her off and I'm putting her off and I hate it. But I have also learned that if I bring her in and bring her close to me, and even just for a moment or two, it meets the need she has. And then she is content and she will go off and play. But if you think of all the different ways that human beings act like that, who are not toddlers, they are crying out the neighbor who annoys you maybe, you know, always talking to you about what, God knows what, you know, maybe they are crying out because nobody listens to them. She has no point of connection. Give her this much of your full attention and see what it does. Sometimes it pacifies the soul, and she's actually easier to be around. She needed connection, she needed love. So there's many different ways. Um, he also accepts those who have been judged by others. So I just wanted to point that out. He is a, a servant leader, um, and I think you guys got all the other ones. Oh, 
prodigal son. You guys, sometimes it's not about the prodigal son. Sometimes it's about that judgy brother, okay? Yikes, right? Sometimes we have to be careful about who we identify with um, because sometimes in life we, we, we switch roles, right? Sometimes we're that benevolent father, but sometimes we're that judgy brother. So um, we have to remember when we are in those positions or we're the complainer at, at work because something's not fair. This one's making more than me and I got this. Well, if you agreed to this at the beginning of the day and they came in at the end of the day, you know that whole gospel? Sometimes that plays out in different ways too. Sometimes you have to let it go. Sometimes you have to let it go and you have to focus on what you can control and you move on and you love anyway. Okay, so do we really not know what God asks of us? I don't think so. You guys totally know what God is asking of you. But this is the part, if you're taking notes, I would write it down. Have we taken to prayer the radical how that Jesus is asking us for how to love others? Have we recently taken to prayer in a new and a different way? If you go to adoration, have you taken to prayer, Lord, in a new way, I ask you to please come into my heart. Call forward that part of me that you made so that I could give it away as a gift of your love. Call that out of me because I don't even know what you want. Or I've been doing all these things for decades. Is there something else you want from me? Is there something I didn't even know was there? I kind of have a hard time thinking he's going to say, nope, you've seen it all. You know, like, really? I don't think so. Um, so take that to prayer. When you end your day, when you do your daily examine, if you're doing your daily examine, I'm just going to confess, Father, I should be doing my daily examine. But I do it in a different way. I mean, I'm always kind of thinking about, like, I mean, don't we? We kind of are always thinking about, well, that didn't go so hot. Might need some adjusting later. Um, but if we could kind of formalize this, and kind of think through this prayerfully and ask the Lord, send your Holy Spirit that you promised. You said you would not leave us alone. You promised us an advocate, one who would guide us, who would fill in for us when we didn't even know what we needed. That's the advocate's job, right? You promised us you would send this Holy Spirit. Have we? asked lately in a really powerful way like Lord I can't see I can't see what you want I think it's just little things but if you need something else you gotta show me I don't know who I don't know who you want me to talk to I don't know where you want me to take this this love this loaf of bread that somebody is hungry for where am I even supposed to go with this? Who needs it? Lord, would you send the Holy Spirit to bring that person across my path? And then, <coughs> push me, Lord. Knock me on the, the elbow and be like, hey, this is your moment. Remember, you prayed to be my love. Sometimes we need the Holy Spirit to bump us in the elbow and say, it's time. Okay, you're, you're leaving church and you've got a routine. 
well, suddenly there's a young family or there's a different person, a, a, maybe a new widow that's at church. And instead of doing your regular routine and out the door, ask the Holy Spirit, if there's somebody who needs me today, Lord, walk me across their path. Pray. Take it to prayer. Take it to prayer and spend time and say in a new way, Lord, help me to see what you need. Okay, these parts are kind of going to be quick because I feel like also we have seven minutes. But um, <laughs> but this is a, this was meant to be quick. That was like the big part. Okay, that's the part where I feel like you guys are ready. Sheboygan is beautiful. You guys have a beautiful formation. I honestly think you guys with just asking the Spirit to put you where you need to be by focusing on what is God calling you to, you're going to change things up. You already know this is not the way. You already know the conveyor belt of faith is broken. They don't come in and baptize babies. They don't come in and get second graders, first communion, all of them anymore. The numbers have dropped. Have you guys noticed that down here? Okay, good. I just want to make sure. Because they're dropping all over the place. Okay, so this is not a conveyor belt thing anymore. People are not automatically staying Catholic. Okay, so this is a picture. If you cannot see it, this is a grotesquely overscheduled calendar. Okay, so families have a million diversions fighting for their time and attention. Have we made a compelling case to Christ? Have we made a compelling case? Have we thought about how would I even explain to somebody the reason for my faith? I'm going to challenge you. This may or may not be your thing. You might have already done it if you're so well formed, everybody. But this is a thing. And it's not just for Protestants. It is a thing to have a reason for your faith. If, it meant, if, you're, if you are faith-filled because it was taught to you from a young age, that is a beautiful thing. But I challenge you to look deeper. You are not just faith-filled because it was taught to you when you were deeper. You are probably living out faith that you saw others live on out, right? You saw somebody doing the things. You, are, you attend Mass and you pray because you went and you saw your dad kneel and bow his head. Every week, you, you do these things because people you saw did these things. They, they loved the neighbor and brought soup to them when they were sick. That's why you are living your faith. So I challenge you to take that to prayer and ask the Lord to help you articulate why do you believe? Why do you live this way? Then when you encounter somebody who doesn't, you have something to say. You have something that their ears can hear and make sense out of. You've got stuff that they want to know about. Because guess what everybody's on their phone scrolling for, guys? A better way to live. Amen. Right? Amen. Yep. They're on those phones because they want to know what's the secret everybody else is so happy. Is it because of their white kitchen and minimal <laughs> furniture? Like, what's the deal? How come they're happy? Well, P.S., they might not be happy. But why are you happy? Because I have what God provides. Right? 
And it's better than any scrolling that they will do. If you can articulate to people, listen, I, I came across this group of people and they changed my life. I, I wanted what they had and I tried it out and this is what I'm doing. Then say that. If it's because you, you had everybody in your community and we all did this together and we had a beautiful community, that's part of it. But then think through each person that you knew. Think through those people, those neighbors, those aunts, those grandmas, those grandpas. Think about the men of faith that you have seen in your life. And how did the men of faith, because the women just talk on and on sometimes, but how did those men do it, guys? How did the men pass on their faith? That is a broad and sweeping generalization. I apologize if anybody's offended. Okay, did you have anything to say? Uh, no, yeah. Sorry. No, that's okay. But like, but but it's interesting. I'm fascinated by how do men live out the faith? Because the only way I did it is because people kept talking to me, and people kept talking to me, and and there are other reasons. But for men, those young boys are watching. And if you don't have sons that are little, or if you don't have a connection to, doesn't matter does not matter. These young boys, these people, they need to see models of men living their faith, doing whatever. Something cool I saw a friend of mine from college is doing. He um, has a chapter of uh, Sleep in Heavenly Peace is what they call it. And the engineering students down at Benedictine build beds for people who have no beds and sleep on mattresses on the floor. This is not a distant problem. This is everywhere. I got the same problem I've had the last month. I'm, I got two dollars to my name and I had to go to the Salvation Army today to get food to get me through. Uh, I wasn't able to get bottled water but I got tap water at home but I know what it's like to be uh, with nothing. Yeah. Because a month ago I had an infection in my feet and it, it was a severe infection. I had to go to the VA hospital in Milwaukee, and that was quite the experience. Mm -hmm. And I was going through that, and then a month later, I was having marriage problems, and my wife are possibly in the stage of separation, but I don't want to just... That's all right. Up. We're going to pray over you if you're, if you're willing. Well, God has his plan and everything, but yeah. uh, there's a lot I'm doing. Uh, the point is, I, I know what it's like to have nothing. And it's not far away. You are correct. It is here. Yes, People so. have needs. Yes. yes. When I was in the VA, I know what it's like to have nothing. I had uh, a pair of underwear, my pajama pants, and a t-shirt because I was transferred from the emergency room to the VA hospital. Mm -hmm. That's all I had with me. So I had to get their clothes. I had to find clothes to wear, which they provided, which was really nice. Mm -hmm. They made my transition perfect, but I know what it's like to have nothing. Absolutely. Well, I'm living that right now. Do you, would, you, would you be okay if we just said super quick prayer over you? Oh, yes. I'd like to speak with somebody about it, too. Yeah. Actually. All right. Lord, we just ask you to please um, bless this gentleman who is in our midst, this stranger who has come into our, our place, our home, our home in faith. And we ask you, Lord, that we be people that welcome the stranger, we clothe the naked, we feed the hungry, and we become brother to each person. Lord, we ask you to bless this person's relationship, this marriage. Lord, it is hard, and yet we look to you on the cross for that example of sacrifice 
and of selflessness and of love. We know that you desire the good for each of us and we ask you to bless him and everybody out there who is experiencing great need, Lord, and call forward those that can help. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I'd like yeah. to speak with you afterwards. I'd be happy to. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, so just a quick word on this. Um, I wanted to make a point about evangelizing. Like sometimes it's really exciting to go out and tell something to somebody for the first time. And there are people in the population, believe it or not, who do not know the story of Jesus Christ. And if you happen to run into one of those people, it's a rather miraculous story to tell. Think about, right? Think about being prepared. Like how do you even begin? Where do you start? A buzzword in the world of faith is kerygma. Right? Read the word of God. Keep the storyline simple. God created us in love and for love. He sent his son to remind us that this is what it was for. Um, the devil, the evilness is in the world and it captures us. Sin captures us. Jesus saves us. Right? And then what is our response? That's the simple story you can share. But that's not always who we're dealing with. Oftentimes, we're dealing with people who knew the story. They were Catholic. They did have faith. And something happened. I was raised Catholic. Right? All my life until I was 16. Yeah. Sometimes it's one thing to woo an innocent heart. That can be sort of fun. It's quite another to woo back a heart that's scorned. It's hard to win back the love of somebody who's been hurt. There is healing that needs to be done. Okay. So just uh, touching on this sort of briefly, we have work to do with building bridges of trust. How many people have heard that phrase used in church language before? Building bridges of trust. Anybody? Yep. Okay. So there's a book out there called Forming Intentional Disciples. And if you are somebody that likes to go to the library and read, it's worth your time. Um, this is one of the stages that she talks about. But I want to look at this picture. So what we want to share with them is a radical departure from where they are. They're on safe ground over here, the world that they know. It might not even be a great place to be, but it's what they know. When you ask people to live a life of faith, sometimes you are asking them to radically depart from the comfort zone that they are familiar with and go somewhere else. They cannot just jump the chasm. That is not practical. They need to have a bridge to cross over. So. The work that we do in every interaction that we have with people is the work of building bridges of trust. We have some ground to gain back uh, with with a church that is human, that has had some transgressions that have significantly hurt people. We, we have a beautiful truth to share with people. We have the person of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist to share with people. We have got to rebuild the bridges of trust. Okay, so if you are asking them to do something that um, is unseen, that defies reason, and may call them to change, you have to stop, appreciate what you are asking them to consider. Another part of the theme tonight, guys, pray to the Holy Spirit, um, and then build those bridges of trust that allow them to take a few steps out. Okay, so this is the book, Forming Intentional Disciples. Uh, I think it's like 10 or 15 years old. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it, it, is, it is not a small thing. This book is changing parishes, and it has been for 10 years. If you guys are Facebook users, this is a worthy closed group to be a part of, Forming Intentional Disciples Group, and they have all sorts of ideas of how do you put this into practice? What do you do after Mass? What do you do in the pews? What do you, whatever. Um, so this, this is really important stuff. We are, we are in missionary territory when we thought we were just trying to be Catholic, <laughs> you know? So a lot of us are not totally comfortable with the word missionary, discipleship. Um, I feel like that sounds, when I first heard evangelization, it was like, ah, it hurts my ears. And when I first heard discipleship, I was like, not for me. Uh, I don't know why those words were weird for me, but they weren't comfortable. Anybody relate to that? Yeah. Right? Okay, we're just being honest. Um, so, but, make friends with these words. They're not actually that bad. And in fact, they're just different ways of saying we are called to accept the love of God and to share it. That is all. And it might sound a little not Catholic-y enough, but we can't be Catholic-y in the way of sitting in the pew all the time. Okay, so um, help inspire in others the love of God and his word and his sacraments. And then follow Jesus. In everything you do, imitate his gift of love by making a gift of love for yourself. Can I do a quick closing prayer? All right. It's not quick, everybody. Look at how long it is. <laughs> settle in. Settle in. Get comfortable. Okay. Find a comfy position. You guys get to just chill out and close your eyes or do whatever you want to do. Um, you do not have to close your eyes because that's weird for some people. So do it. Oh, oh no. Where'd it go? Um, it went away. Hang on. I think I know where it is. There it is. Okay. Let's remember we're in God's presence. We don't have two or three gathered in his name. We have this whole beautiful room, Lord. We have this whole beautiful room of people whose hearts are open, and we ask you to be present with us. We ask you to send your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray. God of love, source of mercy and compassion, weave your dream for the world into the fabric of our lives. Remove the scales from our eyes and lift the indifference from our hearts so that we may see your vision, a new reign of justice and compassion that will renew the earth. Transform our lives so that we may accomplish your purpose. Anoint us with your spirit of love that we might bring good news to the oppressed. Bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim release to the captive. Give us a new urgency and a new commitment to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to shelter the homeless, and visit those who live in isolation. Help us to reach out to those whom no one else will touch, to accept the unacceptable, and embrace the enemy. Surround us with your love, fill us with your grace, and strengthen us for your service. Empower us to respond to the 
call of Jesus to deny ourselves, to take up our crosses, and to follow. Make us your disciples. Amen. 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 Amen.